0: Good afternoon. <laughs> Welcome to this only second episode of the Roostown Foundation podcast. And today it's just me and Ben talking. We're going to sort of pick up where we left off uh, in our panel with uh, the poets Dara Wire and Allison Prine.
1: A week or so ago, two weekends ago, we... Uh, we're at the New Hampshire Book Fest and uh, we gave uh, presented a panel called See What You Miss by Being Dead, The Modern Elegy in the Alternative Landscape of Grief. Just sort of, uh, I mean, all credit goes to Bianca for putting this together and getting uh, all the requisite paperwork in and approved and so on and so forth. Uh, but with that said, it was sort of put on by the Ruth Stone Foundation, you know, we sort of... Um, fulfilling our mission of kind of uh, promoting Ruth Stone's work, you know, getting it out there, being uh, challenged by her work, and you know, not just you know running advertisements to buy more of her work, but to look at the ideas that she has and uh, see how uh, they f- affect our work or how we uh, think about the elegy differently. Um, Starting from her poems, and you know, this panel was kind of about looking at a number of different poems, some of our own, because everyone on the panel had uh, written elegies, so there was a a personal touch, um, but also kind of uh, just a hand. It was only what an hour long panel, you know. I mean, this is the kind of thing you can have an anthology, you can have, uh, you could write a PhD uh, yeah. dissertation on this kind of thing.
0: I and mean, really, it's just, and I think we. We struggled, I mean, struggled, but 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 we touched on that in the panel. That it just was such. It, it's such a, a huge subject. It's almost like talking about love or something. Yeah. That that the subject of death and grief and loss in poetry is, is just so major, so important. Mm-hmm. So and but I but at the same time, I mean, it's it, like it, a it's not it's a cornerstone yeah. of poetry. It's almost it almost feels like it was one of the original reasons that poetry came into being is like mourning and uh, singing the song of loss.
1: I mean, the the Iliad and the Odyssey are or the the Iliad, especially. And I know there's like the Hannah Arendt piece about how it's like actually this huge anti-war poem. It's all about, it's a kind of about, it's like lamenting death through its violence you know so much of that book is just like the spear went through his jaw and you know like you're like well this could be really dude bro poem or it's like actually it's highlighting the incredible violence and mourning the loss of all
0: this life Yeah, so it's just so much grief and anguish that was explored in that poem it wasn't like a cold hard like romp yeah you know with like the like yeah. Blood and gore and guts. Yeah, that's... For the sake of, you know... <laughs> that's what Troy the movie fun. is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. Uh, but anyway, we... it The idea for having a panel on the elegy form in poetry sprang from the Ruth, Ruth Stone's legacy of her lifelong um, dedication to writing elegies um, through our poetry career... And how she she suffered a big loss early in her writing life, and she explored that right up until her death in her poetry. And I don't I think there was lots of different ways she did it, and it always felt raw and fresh and um, different every every time she wrote a poem um, about the loss of her husband. So this poem is "Curtains" by Ruth Stone.
1: We hit Dorian when we were in uh, South Carolina. We read with Dorian Lowe, who she had never even met. Your grandmother, I guess, did she say that, or she had never gone up to v- Vermont? I can't remember which. Her her face to face contact was limited.
0: But yeah. She was. Clearly, but they were admirers from afar. Yeah. Mutual
1: admirers. And clearly, like. Just because she loved the poem. She's like, let me recite this. And she just busted out this poem.
0: She did. And you know, Roseanne Wasserman also busted out this poem Mm. at the uh, potluck silent auction last year, uh, which we'll be having again this year on October 20th at Blueberry Hill Inn (coughs) in Goshen, Vermont. Curtains by Ruth Stone. Putting up new curtains, other windows intrude. As though it is that first winter in Cambridge When you and I had just moved in Now cold, borched, alone in a bare kitchen What does it mean if I say this years later? Listen, last night I am on a crying jag With my landlord, Mr. Tempesta I sneaked in two cats He screams, no pets, no pets I become my Aunt Virginia Proud but weak in the head I remember Anna Magnani. I throw a few books. I shout. He wipes his eyes and opens his hands. Okay, okay, keep the dirty animals, but no nails in the walls. We cry together. I am so nervous, he says. I want to dig you up and say, look, it's like the time, remember, when I ran into our living room naked to get rid of that fire inspector. See what you miss by being dead.
1: Mm. Now this what's interesting. I think um, with with Ruth, uh, many of the poems that we're looking at today of hers have. Um, I mean, poetry does this very well. Is there's these huge uh, jumps in time,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: even in this one, right? There, I feel like there's there's multiple settings of time. There's the the curtains putting up the new curtains, right?
0: Other oh, I um, like that other windows and It's like other other memories into other. Times intrude Yeah
1: Like You're looking at What she doesn't say Is she's looking out the window mm-hmm. But it clearly brings up Um These other memories And that right there With it the, By the third line We've had our first time jump As though In that first winter in Cambridge When you and I Had just moved in You know uh,
0: Now called borscht. borscht? I, did, I didn't say it quite right No, I borscht. know I was
1: like You said it like With every letter
0: borscht. Well you think It's borscht. borscht? What, borscht? Oh, my God. Borscht. 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 Oh, yeah. there's no T?
1: Porsche. Uh, oh, it's one of those things where...
0: It's like Porsche. Okay.
1: One time, Mark Strand gave some random lady who was like a fan of his, gave him some before our workshop, and some he was borscht. like... Some Yeah.
0: Some borscht? Oh, please, some, just don't, don't say it anymore. It says la. Some borschtka. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> Bianca Usually, Bianca has a nap with the baby, and she's foregoing that. And it, it shows a little and bit. And
0: it's great. I'm never napping again.
1: <laughs> but anyway.
0: Yeah, so then, now, cold, bored, still.
1: <laughs> Just don't say the line, man. It's like, meow. <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to cut a lot of this. No, we're not. It's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is that th- that first stanza sets up the poem in a way of the present and then jumping to the past. Yeah we don't know how long ago it was like remembering it's the end of their, it's after the end of their relationship or their living relationship. She's in the post together alive relationship and she jumps to when they first started out moving into their first place. Right. And even then, what does it mean if I say this years later? Like that's almost like this whole, it's almost like a context for, I think even when she's writing this poem, I don't even know if she like the memory of putting up the curtains is even in the past, she's remembering, remembering when he was still alive. Yeah, you know, there's lots of yeah. like I think this her writing sometimes is an example of someone her grief was so much she couldn't write about it right away. Yeah, and so she had this is like a a kind of example of why I even write about it now when I'm not as grieving as I I'm not I'm not like silenced by grief.
0: What does it mean if I say this years later, and that line is all by itself
1: yeah she does she doesn't Which, know the answer yeah like why why it's almost like she's questioning her her whole enterprise why am I even bringing this up you know what does it mean to, but she goes on kind of her answer is I can only answer this by continuing what happened right and it's to me this is a there's a, a a lightness to this part because it's very funny, you know. It's a the conf, this the conflict in this section is just like the 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 little bumps in life that don't really bring you down, you know. If anything, it's this tender moment of Mister Tempesta. Yeah. You know the fact that he's crying, we cry together. We cry together. Of, I am know. so
0: nervous. He says. Yeah. It's it's such a it's such an incredibly human moment. And yeah. It it seems almost like it's almost like make believe or something. It's it's almost like over the top like it it becomes almost like uh fantasy or or hyperbole
1: but it's a little projection almost.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's all, I guess what I'm saying is it's almost like they become one in there yeah. in their in their emotions and um, all the things that they're carrying with them inside them and they they had this like
1: It's like a it's unity cl- of being yeah. moment. We're all nervous yeah. and suffering and unsure of what to do next.
0: And she you know, and there's such a melding of of self um in this poem too that I become my Aunt Virginia. Mm-hmm. I remember Anna Magnani. Um and do, Anna, know, do you know who that is? I don't know who that is. We need to look Yeah. Look at it. We'll get, a little, we'll get a little footnote. Yeah, in the, get a little footnote in that.
1: Because I'm like, is this some famous person or is this some other like friend or family no, member?
0: No, I, I bet it's probably something very specific. Yeah. Um, but then of course, this the, the dead person that is a ghost addressed in in this poem. Um, that is also um, the you in this poem. That um, there's just I love. I love this mixture of identity that happens in poems. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's
1: so almost so. like a remembrance of, of those. We assume Aunt Virginia might be gone herself. Anna Magnani is an Italian actress. Love it.
0: I, always, I think of Mr. Tempesta as being Italian. Yeah. For sure. Uh,
1: oh, she's cool. She's in the Rose Tattoo. we we'll have to watch this.
0: Yeah, but what about her? It's a
1: 1955 film adaptation of the Tennessee Williams play.
0: But what about what about her personality? Maybe she threw things.
1: Well, I mean, if she's in that, if she's known for being in a, you know, Tennessee Williams play, it was probably a dramatic role. You know,
0: a personal life or acting style, genuine emotion, expresses genuine emotion.
1: Remarkable expressive face.
0: Emotional authenticity. Yeah. Okay. Boom. <laughs> that, that definitely would apply to Grandma. Yeah. But Wait, then, is that the baby? I didn't hear the baby.
1: This is like... I, I remember there was someone on Instagram who was being interviewed. It was a, a woman. They were like, you know, so what's it like writing this book? Uh, as a mother, and she's like, you know what? I'm not going to answer that question until you ask that question to men. <laughs> I want to, an- I want to answer that question yeah. right now. It's hard to do this podcast with a little wild baby yeah. running around. Uh,
0: yeah, but uh, there is something about being a mother where there's just uh, there's so much more expected of you, and the, you know, especially if you're you know breastfeeding. Of course, is you no. Know, I mean, you're, you're so like on demand anyway. yeah. in your body and your time and your mind. I see why the question gets asked. Yeah. But I also see the other woman's point totally. 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's annoying to sort of have that be such a big part of everything.
1: Right. It's a um, narrative that's like cast on yeah. you and there's other things you might want to talk about.
0: But the truth of the matter is, is that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a thing.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: It's different than being not a mother and a writer. Yeah, that's for sure. But oh. then, you know, it's or there's lots of different you know disabilities that one can have in their life that change things. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so uh, yeah, um, what's the what's interesting is the address when um, you and you know in the in the first stanza we have you know. When you and I had just moved in, so it's a standard apostrophe, you know. She she doesn't really play with it at all. At then just saying you and I, right? But then you know we get. I want to dig you up and say, look, it's like the time. Remember when I ran into our living room naked to get you? Here's what I'm wondering. Friend,
0: here's what I'm wondering about that. See what you miss by being dead now. If she's telling him to remember her doing this, it, did he miss that? Or no. is he missing? Do, he was there for the being naked part. Right? Oh
1: yeah, he was definitely there, right. and it might even be around. Ra- I'm just I'm making assumptions. You miss
0: all of this that we, you know, we we used to get into shenanigans together. Yeah, yeah, obviously, awesome happened. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, like we this this remind these two situations are similar. There's there's a kind of in, in a light intensity to them. They're silly, you know. Um, she, you know, Ruth herself seems to have a a history of interacting, you know, with these people in power (laughs) in a kind of unusual ways, you know, um, and I mean, it's interesting to tell a dead person, remember, you know, don't you remember, you know, um,
0: it's like the time, remember when I ran into the, yeah, I, I, uh, it's just so much going yeah so it's such a
1: personal she's really talking to him at this point you know but she's also like talking into the grave you know Um, and you know that there's almost there is a structure to this poem you know what does it mean if I say this years later that's a one line question and then you know see what you miss by being dead you know I I feel like that second question almost answers uh, the first one in a way what does it mean if I say this years later Mm -hmm. you know I feel like what, what it means is I'm, I'm trying to, to, to resurrect. I'm, I'm trying to imagine a life with this person I loved. Uh, but I can't. And that's what you miss by being dead. Um, which is, I feel like in terms of the elegy, to, to take a step back for a second, this is interesting in a way because it's, it is, there is, you, know, you think of the key elements of an elegy, the mourning, the death of the person, celebrating their life, trying to find something to move on to, a replacement of some kind, you know, those are some standard elements of the elegy. Um, and she, if anything, she's showing you the, the replacement is the borscht in a in a bare kitchen, yeah you know, um, so that, that's, it's kind of like there isn't, there's not a We'll, we'll look at some of the other poems and, like, you know, there's not a star shining in the sky that's guiding you, you know, or something to this new life, you know. Yeah. There's just like a very austere life, yeah. You know, and even the ce- the celebration is just like that. I feel like that 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 little that one line of the bare kitchen is always in contrast to, you know, these these characters coming in. You know, there, there. Even those, even though the Mister Tempesta kind of compares with the, the uh, fire inspector. You know, like she doesn't have anyone to laugh
0: about yeah. it with. Oh, you know. Yeah, totally. And and that for the first time, I that the the sort of bitter irony rings in that last line for me. Yeah where it's see what you miss by being dead, which is not a lot, you know? Yeah. This bare kitchen, you know? Yeah. It's, it's almost like a longing to be dead, too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, fuck you for leaving, and, you know, why am I not with you? Yeah.
1: Um. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I feel like what, that the other question in the poem, what does it mean if I say this years later, is also, there's a lot of feeling of guilt in that line, too, yeah. that um, what does it matter that i'm saying this years later you know it's too late mm-hmm. and you're not here well, she's really and,
1: battling with depression
0: yeah in this poem yeah um
1: and even i was going to say was that the poem itself you see the necessity of poetry in these places because the poem is how she's sharing it with him mm-hmm. she can't share it with him any other way i mean that's yeah. that's what a that's what the address to the other does but she's like we would we could remember this Together, oh, remember that time? But now I can only put it. I can share it with everyone else. You know, with the the re- we talked a little bit about this in the panel about like why you take a, a poem out into the world. You know that others are others. Well, might have the same or a very similar situation. It's part of grieving someone. It's, they're no longer able to experience all these things with you. You know, so others who have gone through this can still find solace in this poem, even if it's a grim, dark yeah. solace.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's great.
1: So why don't we look at, um, before we go to, why don't we just do a little uh, a Ruth Stone session. We have another poem in the packet here, Tenacity.
0: Tenacity. Can it be over so soon? Why only a day or so ago you let me win at chess? While you felt my dress around the knees. That room we went to sixty miles away. Have those bus trips ended? The willows turning by. Drooping like patient beasts under their yellow hair on the winter fields. Crossing the snow streams. Was it for the last time... Going to meet you, I thought I saw the embalmer standing there on the ordinary dirty street of that gross and ordinary city which opened like a paper flower at the ballet at the art gallery in those dark booths drinking beer. One night, leaning in a stone doorway, I waited for the wrong person and when he came, I noticed the dead blue color of his skin under the neon light and the odor of rubbish behind a subway shed. I sit for hours at the window preparing a letter. You are coming toward me. We are balanced like dancers in memory. I feel your coat. I smell your clothes, your tobacco. You almost touch me. Again, this, these questions <clears throat> and... Uh, and movement of place, um, uh, and also the almost the the letter, the address. Yeah. Of,
1: um, well, it makes me think of. I was just, you know, sometimes at night when Bianca's asleep, her twin brother Walter and I uh, read poems back and forth to each other, and I was rereading. Uh, uh, Bianca's rolling her eyes.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not always asleep. <laughs> I just, some nights uh, I'm really tired and like to get to bed early.
1: No, i I wasn't criticizing. Was I was just I can't, setting can't, the scene. Can't, can't, can't. Uh, and we—I just reread uh, parts of the Four Quartets. You know, and he has this whole thing about you know.
0: T. S. Eliot.
1: Yeah, uh, life being kind of composed of timeless moments. That's like how our memories are ordered. You know, and I feel like this poem sort of tacitly agrees with that in the beginning. Can it be over so soon? Why only a day or so ago you let me win at chess? I, I think that's an exaggeration of how long ago it was, but yeah. it's accurate in terms of remembering when yeah. that's a timeless moment. So it's like it feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah. You know how 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 can it be over so soon? We were just playing chess. Yeah. You know, we were just like you know in this dark corner drinking beers. You know. And so, and that's even why you know I smell your clothes, your tobacco, you, and and that is also just a that's a sensory image, you know. But it's also just true, you know. You're living in a house that someone yeah. that dead lived in, you know. Their stuff is around you, yeah. you know. And so, when all of that co- the memories are right there on in your mind, the smells are right there, <clears throat> real. You know, you <clears throat> almost touch me.
0: Yeah and oh god it's so this poem's so haunting it's so chilling mm. that she transports back in time too, you know in, yeah. in in memory but also it feels like in body and then but something's wrong something's off you yeah. know and she see you know almost sees the embalmer you know it that, becomes a nightmare yeah and then she's waiting for the wrong person and i re- i know i remember her saying something to me about this poem once being like yeah i you know, I was waiting in this alley, and then this this man came, and I thought he was gonna kill me, and like I could see it in his face, like mm. it was something really off yeah um and i and I don't think the specifics of that 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 event matter for this poem because I think yeah it what stands in is enough that 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 some sort of ghoulish person um is there instead of the beloved. Yeah. Um,
1: well, it's, it's a kind of a metaphor for like any old day when you're, you think this, there's always this like denial thought pattern when someone has died that they're just like around the corner. You yeah. know, someone being dead is very similar to someone just being absent from your presence. Yeah. So when you're, you know, you want to think that, oh, they're just, you know, someone's going to pull up in your driveway or you're standing in a city street yeah. and you just see them come through the crowd or something. Yeah but her 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 kind of explanation of the, uh, the the dark side of that is not only do they not come but this kind of twilight zone horror appears in front of you yeah you know they it's like a zombie you know yeah. it's like lazarus it's like bad lazarus you know i noticed the dead blue color of his skin under the neon light and the odor of rubbish behind a subway shed and then it cuts though you know then it's cuts back to I sit for hours at the window preparing a letter. You are coming toward me. It's even another... It's another version of that denial. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, I'm writing a letter, you know, which she wrote so many letters to him, you know, when he was at the war and stuff yeah. like that. It's like a... It's a similar situation. He's at war. You know, yeah. I'm going to write him a letter. He's he's on his way back. He may back. never
0: be coming. Yeah. And,
1: the and fr- it's
0: also, I feel like it is in a way referencing writing poetry that you're, that mm-hmm. I, I sit here at this window forever composing these letters that are poems to you, um, or and to you, not just, you know, uh, the, the lost husband, but to you, the reader or whatever that the you out there, Yeah. that you become this sort of ear to the nether world. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: this, this well, the, translator of between worlds.
1: The reader exists to see this. Yeah. Only the reader can see this as the other person. And even, uh, the, I mean, the, this, the, to me, this poem is like, on, like wa- it wants to be a spell. Yeah. It wants to summon yeah. him back. It doesn't say that outright, you know, but even, we are balanced like dancers in memory is another, like, negation of time, you know, when I think of balanced in memory, it's even like they're, you know, a, a beautiful moment when they're in midair. You remember that, but it's only a moment, yeah. you know, and somehow him being alive is this other frozen moment, and it's like you almost, she can see it all and sense it and just like wants to pull it out of the memory and into reality. And yeah. Just, it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. The tones are so different between these two poems. Like the first one is. It's funny the, the, the they're so similar in a way and then yeah. but the first one has so much humor in it so much dark humor mm-hmm. and real just humor and this one is is just just sad and dark and, yeah. and good and beautiful All right let's read Alison Prine's poem So Alison Prine uh is a Vermont poet who's First book, Steel, won the Cider Press Review uh, Award, and uh, her her book deals a lot with elegy, um, so beautifully um, throughout the poems. So we thought um, she so so she, we'll send a packet with. I think that we should offer the packet as a PDF to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the two poems we have in here are Rearview Mirror, January. And Rearview Mirror, February. Yeah.
1: I feel like for the, everyone past Ruth, maybe, we'll just do... Should we just do one poem, just so we don't go on for like two hours?
0: Well, I think we could read both our poems and then just talk about them at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Rearview Mirror, January. My heart started beating inside you. I think of you when the road ices over. Or when a certain scratching brings back the old record player that stood in the living room under the window. Or when the road ends. When people give explanations for why terrible things happen. I was there when your heart stopped beating. I was small and sleeping in the twisted metal and the blood. It comes back like the sound of those old rotary phones. The one choking ring they make when they're slammed against the floor. Rearview Mirror February My beginning and your ending got so close that all traces of you in my memory lost hold. When I have nothing left to say, I have you. A series of disappearances, a street sign, a shade of turquoise, a formica table. A few decades later, we have hundreds of sadness medications there is an information machine in everyone's pocket we have nothing left to say and we keep saying it take my face between your hands is this what you expected i thought i would write this once and instead it is every time i think that's such a good follow-up for the ruth stone poems because Mm -hmm. that that last line is it's just i you know i I'm still sitting here at this window writing this letter to you across time. And, um, you know, what also just that, that questioning of the speaker of, you know, almost what does this mean that I have, you know, we have nothing left to say. We keep saying it. Um, I have, but I say, you know, I say these things to you, um, out in the ether.
1: Yeah. It seems it's a kind of grief where uh, there's no solution to it uh you keep coming at it and you're uh return to this place uh, and it's sim- also there's the you know t- the address to the other take my face between your hands mm-hmm. is this what you i mean that's also like another you know this these poems are her poems have a lot of uh kind of through items highlighting the discrepancy in time and life. Mm-hmm. You know, this one's all about, you know, we have sadness medications, there's these information machines in everyone's pocket. She's like trying to explain some of the common items that didn't exist when this person was alive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that's also like kind of a, a runaround where she's really trying to get at like, you know, is this what you expected me? Like, look at me now how have I changed?
0: Yeah. yeah. You know,
1: um, and even that is, I thought I would write this once and instead it is every time. There's like, the the self, I mean, a lot of these poems are about how the self is transformed yeah. with the death of this person. Mm. And she does, she's not really saying how it's transformed except for these, you know, modern um, conveniences that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, the the way I define myself is based on um, one way I define myself is wondering what you would think of me now yeah which I can't know
0: right you
1: know it's totally. a you know it's interesting that these poems have the you know is this what you expected it's a question that's not answered
0: it's so interesting that you say that because it's like it's almost like in experiencing a major loss and there's that your identity becomes so wrapped up in it that you can never fully know yourself because you don't know... You can't define... You can't... You that can't, other
1: person would have an opinion on if you've done new things. or They would have an impact on the way your life is going.
0: I mean, we all like these people. If we lose someone that's so close to us, we don't know ourselves without them, in a way, or... or as humans, we're identified by these people, by our significant other, by our parents, yeah. by our siblings, and um, when one is ripped away from you, it's like you're sort of stuck in this place of like trying to fill something, trying to to realize an identity, a new identity, or or understand what it means. Yeah. And I feel like that tear can sometimes never. I feel like with Ruth, it the this search for understanding that identity never ended and that became her identity yeah and it and it's weird you know it's different with Allison because i think the speaker in these poems you know my beginning and your ending got so close so the beginning of her life um she didn't get to grow up with this person yeah you know so so in her identity is almost like her identity is so wrapped up in the fact that she never got to have an identity with this person. Yeah. It's, it's much more, there's nothing to Two identities floating out in space that, that can never, you know, that until they are both. Yeah. Who would, who would I have been
1: if this person had remained?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Like the, the different, um, there's so many different instances of, of, of the self and address, um, with elegy it's And yet, and such overlap, too. Yeah. It's really interesting. So we're going to skip over the examples that we accept. I would love, Ben, if you read... Um, the Keats. The Keats This Living Hand.
1: Sure. This Living Hand. This living hand, now warm and capable of earnest, grasping, would, if it were cold and in the icy silence of the tomb... So haunt thy days and chill thy dreaming nights that thou would wish thine own heart dry of blood so in my veins red life might stream again. And thou be conscience calmed. See, here it is. I hold it towards you.
0: And now be conscience calmed.
1: <laughs> yeah. <It's> like <laughs> Just joking. Yeah. Not dead yet. I don't need your blood to come back to life or...
0: I thought it was a kinda of seemed like a like something you were selling, like, Hey, do you need to be conscious calmed? Yeah. Buy our elixir.
1: But he's I mean, it's kinda of very goth,
0: you know. It's so goth. This is original goth. Yeah. Um
1: It was kinda of like like you you would be he's like, I'm not dead, but if I were, you would really be grieving over me.
0: Yeah, it's such a weird inverted elegy because it's like an elegy and almost like just for the hand.
1: Right, for himself. (laughs) For his
0: own hand. That's like haunting without him.
1: Yeah. Well, it's all, he's like looking at it, this living hand, you know. Um, Which I guess, I mean, too bad we don't have Dara here to, she uh, illuminated
0: it. Yeah, Dara Wire wanted to, To to bring this poem into the discussion, I think it was great because Keats, you know, Keats was faced with something that not many young people are faced with, which is your own knowing your own death is upon you. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're as a genius poet as he was, uh, it's such a a strange, rare opportunity to 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 write your own elegies. Yeah. Um, so uh just I just think it's nice to And
1: it keeps well this poem keeps jumping back and forth. Yeah. It's like my hand's alive, imagine if it were dead, you would wish you were dead so I could be alive, but it's actually still here, you know? Like he's imagining everyone being dead for a second, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really, a, it's, it's such like a, I don't even know how to take that tone, you know? It's like, yeah. Is he serious? Like,
1: well, I think there is. I think that's, I think even, you know, maybe why Dara had chosen this is that it's got some kind of dark humor to it, you know, which I think we, is a, I think it, it stands out maybe from a lot of other stuff because uh, that's something we've seen more now. Mm-hmm. You know, you need a little humor sometimes mm-hmm. to get through this kind of thing. You know, I think if we, we should look at her poems.
0: Yeah, let's look at Dara Wire's poems. Right. So which let's read um this art can do part one and part two. Things art can do part Things art can do part one and part two. Okay, shall I read it? Yeah yeah. Things art can do part one and part two. This could be you. No longer who you were is what you are. Who you are could be who this is. This is how it feels, being someone elsewhere in eternity. There is something infinite about him, she said. There is something infinite. There is something definite about you, he said. There was nothing infinite about him. He was finite, like a simile. Ah, uh, And then the other poem, I love that. uh. I mean, it's just, that's just a pretty straightforward elegy, <laughs> in a way. It's like, yeah, actually, he was finite all along, mm-hmm. you know? There was,
1: totally. Was, well, and there's also, it has this, the it's kind of like a little dialogue. You know, there's something infinite about him. She, there's this other person, mm-hmm. you know? It's like someone trying to console her, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. you know?
1: Um, but that kind of being shot down, you know
0: and it it's in the, in but you way. also
1: but you also entertain that idea, you know this is there is something infinite about him, she said, yes, yeah. that's, that's something art can do, maybe yeah. help you imagine that, you know that's kind of part in my mind, that's part one, and part two is like, no, art can also show you the stark reality of things, it's not always dressing things up, yeah, you know, that's what's really interesting about uh, Dara's work is she's like very meta about. Elegy and about poetry and her yeah. out, you know in those two books that she had talked about you good thing and uh, in the dark of the night and this poem has a little bit of that
0: yeah and i love that she made a simile out of a simile <laughs> yeah
1: well even that, you know it reminds me that of that when i, done I went, before? It was like totally it's great well and also it it's like the when you're teeth you know i had taught figures of speech for a little while and like you know you're you're always trying to get people to say oh when you compare this to this you got to take the qualities of the one and put it onto the other you know and that can do a lot in a few words you know but it is limited you mm-hmm. know it's not a there's, it's not a source of infinite knowledge and insight into mm-hmm. that thing you know um which i feel like goes back to this like the, this kind of notion of the infinite you know this kind mm-hmm. of like art as uh sublime transcendent stuff, you mm-hmm. know. Uh and it's not that's not necessarily what it does, and that's not necessarily what a, uh an elegy has to do mm-hmm. for someone, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like this the this next one, during the time you are deceased, this one I feel um uses a, a humor in a way that uh maybe calls back to that Keats in a little
0: bit. Yeah. During the time you are deceased, during the time you are deceased, your ability to communicate with the living will be inhibited. You will be unable to explain yourself with the same emotional urgency you once did. You will only be detectable to animals you once spent time with on a daily basis. Your attitudes towards others who have not ceased to live will undergo abrupt correction <laughs> that line. For those of whom you previously held suspicion will resolve some way or another. Any skepticism you once held will palpably lessen. Your overall assessment will soften. Your understanding of weakness will multiply. You may recognize the dawning of regrets. You will wish you had admitted previously until you begin living again. You will have improved in all ways, save one. No one will be afraid of you. No one will stroke your hair or hold your gaze. Nobody will.
1: Mm. Now,
0: I love that illumination and death uh, that that is so strong here that like once you die, then you're sort of. Oh, then awareness blossoms, and you're like you realize everything. Yeah, you know, it's like well,
1: some of it. The first couple stanzas are just like a, almost like a riddle-like description of what happens when you're dead. You your ability to communicate <laughs> with the living will be inhibited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's where I saw some of the humor. Right, you're dead. You can't talk to the living.
0: Right, you know, right, right. Inhibited
1: is like a kind of understatement. Sort of know?
0: like obvious, but like it's it's almost like. Well, yes, sign here at the bottom, you know, right. Just
1: <laughs> right? You'll be unable to explain yourself with the same emotional urgency you once did. There will be no urgency, you yeah. know. But the way you know, it almost it it feels like yeah, it's just a, it's like an oh, you're dead. There's like a slight inconvenience, you know. Uh, well, I I feel like this is also an interesting. We see some in all these poems that there's been a address to the other, and this one kind of turns it on its head a little bit. Because totally. they're not... the that That's where you see the humor. It's like, instead of saying, see what you missed by being dead, you know, it's like a bureaucratic list of yeah. of things. You absolutely. know. absolutely. Um, but I feel like you still also see somehow this is a way of dealing with the grief, you know. Um, and it goes, you know, and it, it also goes... And I feel like the, the part those who whom you had previously held the suspicion were resolved some way or another, any skepticism you once held will probably lessen your overall assessment uh, Sorry, I was looking for a part where like part of it is like she is sharing how other people have changed because he's dead you know
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah interesting
1: um.
0: I love that you will have improved in all ways save one yeah which is being alive
1: yeah. maybe yeah no, um, you know even that title during the time you are deceased you know that yeah. that is the it's kind of
0: funny because it almost it makes it seem like it's not gonna be forever
1: right <laughs> totally but it's also like the time of the writer the time of the those who remain
0: yeah yeah, uh, yeah. okay should uh fabulous and i and the Poems in you, good thing, and uh, in the still of the night are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, both from Wave Books.
1: Both, mm-hmm. well, so, well, don't worry, we'll we'll link it up. Everything. Yeah. All the books that we'll be discussing will be.
0: No, I don't. I think we should just go right into your poems. Okay. Um, well, we,
1: we got, we're not going to skip over you though.
0: <sighs> well, I'm not reading those poems.
1: Oh. Okay. All right.
0: All right. But I'll read something else from the book. Oh, I think that's the baby. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you want to read your poem? Yeah, I'll read my poem. See if okay.
1: you can, uh.
0: Be really right big.
1: <laughs> you can hear it very faint. me? Reading a poem at the kitchen table by myself here. I've got two of them. And, uh, sometime in the future, and we have, uh, some opportunities in this podcast, I'd like to, uh, share some stories we have about, uh, getting the Ruth Stone Foundation started and uh, Ruth Stone herself and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, we've spent, uh, two summers, uh, in an RV behind Ruth Stone's house, an incredibly, uh, generative place to write poetry and, uh, the RV is still there. And, uh, I'd it needs needs a little love. It still works, but the, there's some electrical issues and so on and so forth. Uh, all to say that it'd be nice to fix it up. And I think uh, have some people uh, stay there. Because I think uh, I'd like for them to experience what we experience just in terms of uh, being in the middle of the woods and uh, getting a chance to write in a place like that. And the reason I say that is uh, I wrote this poem, Sitting in the RV at Nighttime. Poems starting with mirrors and wearing away. Reflections through windows at night. To look at oneself as one would a stranger. Curiosity and disdain. A timeline. Covered in dirt on the school bus after a game beneath the lights. Bags under the eyes on the subway with a tie in that wool coat from homecoming with the bottom button broken in the lining "'Worn away. "'Tonight, a shitty beard with no excuse to last this late into summer, "'a ponytail and a backdrop of crimson curtains. "'Unsure if you look more like the old carpenter "'who looked through his reflection "'once he'd stopped along the mountainside "'with the leaves burning red "'or the self he spoke of "'who never thought to stop and look outside "'when building hotels with his brother.' curved reflections bouncing and unnoticed as the two drove back to where they'd built each house down the lane. Does it always come back to the mother? Trying to sleep on the downstairs couch, I arch my neck to see the bottom half of the gurney roll her away. The staff from the funeral home hadn't been there long enough to dress her in an ultimate garment of note. The dog had no idea, or had he smelled it weeks before. The doctors said, don't bring a mirror to her. It would be too much to see how little was left recognizable. How had she last seen herself? We took no pictures of her then. They say any portrait will do once they've passed. They're all her, true. But the unspeakable likenesses rise out of the glass Obscure, bold, and inviting Now this next one I want to thank uh, Dara She had uh, led us to this website called The Bureau of Linguistic Reality Where people uh, share definitions, spellings, and pronunciations Of words they have invented In the title of this poem uh, is one such word called uh, whirring, which is defined as when compost turns from smelling rank to sweet, of a soil becoming fertile. In the duplex on Booth Street, a concrete brick building painted a ghosting yellow. The fifth-grade teacher who taught down the hall from my mother brought a VHS tape to test my science knowledge for reasons never explained to me. Casement windows propped open and few cars down the gravel lane. The video begins with a stationary close-up, a view of vegetables so still one hardly notices the heirloom tomato tilting to its side, carrots thinning and browning out as the red, orange, and greens desiccate into the table, same stem ends, husks, and molds. Dr. Kosher stopped the tape and put on her quizzing voice to ask, What did you just see? How do they do it, those who make a sweetness out of death? Going back to the centuries old graveyard by the church I grew up in, Lieutenant Isaac Brewer, seventeen forty two to seventeen eighty eight, with an epitaph reading With gliding fire an evening star streaks the autumn's skies, shook from its seat, it darts away, and in an instant dies. It is growing dark. The old church parking lot still has the hoop with nothing but a backboard, and my mother isn't waiting for me here. I watched the drapery of her couch wrap about her. I saw her lie down. I saw the wind push her into a breathless, narrow house and then move through the graves and around me. If it were trying to say something, I understood it as much as my daughter stringing together syntax, tone, and nonsense, a various language turning, thinning, and decomposing until the earth again grows sweet.